So welcome everyone to uh, the City Club of Cleveland, uh, not at East 9th Street and Euclid Avenue, but at PNC Fairfax Connection. Um, I'm Justin Glanville from IdeaStream. I'll be moderating today to talk about the Fairfax neighborhood. Um, we just uh, finished our ride through the neighborhood on bikes, which was awesome. I got to do that. And then, um, and now we're going to talk. So I am sitting here with uh, Denise Van Leer. She is the director of the um, Fairfax Renaissance Development Corporation. And uh, also with August Fluker from, he's a principal with City Architecture. So uh, yeah, without further ado, we'll, we'll get started. Um, so, you know, I got a chance to talk to both uh, Denise and August on the phone yesterday and learned a little bit about them and their, their stories. And I wanted to just open, if I could, with the two of you just sharing your stories of Fairfax. So what brought you to either live or work in Fairfax or both? Let's start with Denise. Okay. Hi. Um, what brought me to work here? Um, I was actually in graduate school at Case, and uh, Fairfax Development Corporation was my first internship. Um, so I was here for a semester. Uh, and then when I graduated, I got hired. Uh, Cleveland had just become an empowerment zone, and I got hired as the community development uh, coordinator. Uh, and I've been here ever since. <laughs> Welcome to my neighborhood. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a resident. Um, I was raised on the west side, and you know, initially when I thought I was gonna move over here, it would be an impediment because of that divide, that Cuyahoga, right? But I still maintain my visa. Um, when my wife and I met about 30 years ago, she's an architect as well, um, we always wanted to live in a city. The question really came down to where. Um, she's an east sider, I was a west sider. I got married, she won. Um, <laughs> so for a couple years we lived in Cleveland Heights and we wanted to be part of the Renaissance, no pun intended, but um, so we, we um, built our home almost 20 years ago on a corner of 82nd and Euclid and we've raised a son, he's a rising senior, so um, that's part of my story. Okay, great. Um, you guys are both very succinct. Okay, I might I need to come up with a few <laughs> more questions here. Okay, <laughs> no, that's okay. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure we'll <laughs> we'll expand more here. So, um, so Denise, you, you know, I wonder if you could, you know, I know neighborhood boundaries are very fluid, mm -hmm. um, but just so we're all on the same page, when we talk about Fairfax, what exactly are we talking about? What's the geography? Sure. Thank you for asking me that. Yeah. Um, we're actually. Um, from East 77th to Stokes Boulevard to the south of Chester um, and the north of Woodland Avenue. That's the area that makes up Fairfax. Okay, so what's the, what did you say? Stokes is the eastern? Stokes, Okay. Yes. Okay, and, and where does the name Fairfax come from? That's, that's always something I wanted to. Okay, yeah, actually there was a City of Cleveland employee um, and she was the first director of um, the parks and recreation, and her last name was Fairfax. And they named the neighborhood after her. That's how it got its name. Mm, but it, there's a long history about that name, but yeah. That's, but that's the how short it, version? Yeah, that's okay. the short version. <laughs> yeah. Did she live in the neighborhood? Is that 
was that the connection? Uh, no, she worked Fairfax Rec Center. Ah, yeah, okay. the recreation center. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. great. Um, so you know, you you've both had a front seat to uh, what's happening in this neighborhood for um, Denise. I think you said in your case twenty years, mm -hmm. and August almost twenty. Um, so could you both talk a little bit about what are some of the themes that you've noticed over that time? What has changed in Fairfax, and then also what has stayed the same? Anyone could start. Oh, I'll start. Um, part of any neighborhood is, is its identity. Um, and I, I, I'm sure most of you've seen what we have to offer. We're open for business, by the way. Um, <laughs> when, I, when we start talking about borders, oftentimes when development happens around the edges, University Circle, Midtown, um, part of parts of neighborhood, neighborhoods become annexed by name. For example, Circle North. <laughs> I see Debbie here, she's like, oh boy. Um, so what I believe is important for us to do is maintain our identity. We're not gonna be Midtown East, we're not gonna be um, Circle West. It's very important, there's a rich history in this community. We have to look back before we move forward. We have to embrace who we are, we have to then figure out what we wanna be. And so for me, it's important to, to to roll up our sleeves and remember that. Okay, so so the changes that I've seen since I've been here, um, actually, it's it's this time right now reminds me of when I first started working here. Um, so when I first started working here, the city had become an empowerment zone. We were selected to be. Um, we were called uh, Bicentennial Village. It was also the city's bicentennial. And so um, new housing got developed. Uh, there were a lot of older um, residents that, um, I call them guerrilla warfare folks, because they <laughs> were very <laughs> committed um, to the neighborhood and uh, keeping the streets clean and keeping the kids in check. And you know their houses were great. And so um, over time, most of those people have passed away. And so um, what we did with Bicentennial Village was put um, new housing, but we, um, this is the planning term, this is what it says in the master plan, um, fill in the missing teeth. So on streets where there were vacant lots, we built new houses. Um, and you know, it's just been a continuous um, kind of effort to do that, to constantly revitalize. So. Um, you know, we've gotten this wonderful, beautiful PNC Fairfax Connections. Um, but the, the one thing that stays the same in the neighborhood, though, is the people. Um, so there are families here that have been here for four and five generations, and they're still here, and they're still supportive. Uh, Kiramu House, the first African-American theater in the country, is here. So there's a lot of rich history here, and a lot of people, even people that have moved away every year, there's an annual Fairfax reunion. So that happened two weeks ago. It's like people come back from all, from all over the country, uh, you know, because their roots are here. So, you know, it, it's wonderful. The work is never ending, um, but it's, it's good. 
I would yeah. like to follow up. And I realize this has been a long day. I've been up since 4.30. I didn't answer your question, <laughs> for which I apologize. <laughs> but I, I set you up nicely. Right. You um, did. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a major thing that's changed, quite frankly, is the health line. Um, when we built our home 20 years ago, it didn't exist. Um, and that actually has spurred lots of development along Euclid and the periphery. There's, there are amenities coming to our neighborhood. You know, you know, we have Cleveland Bagel, we have Supermarket, Angie's is going up, we have Dunkin' Donuts on 79th and Carnegie, we have a Days around the corner. And what's nice about these developments as, as they come online, we're actually talking to our neighbors. You know, we're talking to University Circle, we're talking to Midtown, <coughs> we're talking to Huff, and these things are intentional. I mean, we all take credit for it. That's what's important. It's not about us versus them. Um, and so as development moves forward, we do it with a transparent lens. Um, and obviously, the big elephant in the room is the Cleveland Clinic. Um, they're, they're becoming a good partner, a great partner, I should say. Um, they have, we've had lots of conversations. They know now that community development should be part of their, their mantra. They're, they should understand that what they do in the community impacts it. Um, it's a huge environmental impact that they, they cause in this community. Um, you know, it's a big footprint, there's pollution, um, there are buildings that we are, can't use, it's not for us. So that, that causes us stress. So um, as we move forward, uh, when developments happen, we talk and communicate to figure out what's best for the community first, and then try and navigate that uh, for, for everyone else. Okay, great, and I, and I wanna dive into the clinic a little bit more here too, but <laughs> <laughs> just to pause a little bit on, you know, uh, you know, some of the things that you both were saying. So Denise, I think you shared with me on the phone and then we heard again on the tour that, um, so Fairfax's population, I think um, we heard at uh, Innovation Square. Square. Mm -hmm. So that Fairfax's population peaked around 37,000 or so and right. then it went down, down. to 5,000, but now mm -hmm. it's back up to around six, six? or so. Right. So mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you think is driving that, that uptick? Mm -hmm. Well, a couple of things. Um, so Cleveland Clinic, it, well, first of all, we're in a great location. <laughs> in between downtown, University Circle, um, and you know, things just naturally progress. The Cleveland Clinic keeps growing. Um, we have all these people that come to the area every year. Uh, because of the clinic case and UH. Um, and so uh, Fairfax is just in a good location and, and has just grown over time. So once people find out about us, um, you know, they, they want to move here. And uh, where August lives, Beacon Place in Woodhaven, that was done in the early to mid-90s um, and finished up. Just recently. Yeah, just recently. Yeah. But... Um, there are like 200 market rate units there. And if there was more land, we could sell another 200. So um, because of all of that, um, you know, the neighborhood keeps growing, the demand for, for housing, you know, walk to work, the big thing now, you walk to work, um, you know, it's, it's there. And, you know, we're moving as fast as we can to fill that demand. So I, I think it's a good thing uh, I don't see it as problematic uh, because we need new families. We need young families. We need the neighborhood to grow, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and to get back 
trying to uh, get that density that we once had. So I think it's a good, it's good. You know, one, one thing I, I think has happened by default, we're becoming very diverse, mm -hmm. both, both social, economic, um, ethnicities, um, just in my neighborhood alone, just because of all the research, all the, the hospital and everything, there's, there's a lot of international families. There, there are people who are postmen, there's women, um, architects, um, <laughs> and it's interesting to see that happen. Um, people want to be in our neighborhood because it's access. It's all about access. It's all about being able to jump on the bus. It's all about walking across the street. Um, and I can tell you, when I graduated from school some time ago, they didn't teach us that. They taught us to, to design icons. And last couple years, I realized it's not about icons, it's about people. If you don't solve that, the human can, you know, what we need as humans, then we're not solving the solution. And we don't, it's not one size fits all. And that's what we're talking about, especially at Innovation Square. The innovative part of it isn't the technology, isn't how, what type of building science we're studying. It's about how we integrate people from the person who works as a janitor in a clinic to, the, to, a, to a doctor um, to, to a you know, postman again. It's, it's important to provide housing for all, housing for our seniors so they can age gracefully in place. Uh, we need to think about how we get seniors out of these older homes, younger families in those homes. That need, we have to figure that transaction out. And, and, and more importantly, we have to figure out how to build affordable housing affordably. Uh, when we get subsidies on housing, there are a lot of requirements, and those requirements drive up the cost. It costs more money to build an affordable unit than it does a market rate unit. Something's wrong. And so we really start, again, we can't use 60-year-old solutions for today's um, problems. Okay. All right, so uh, August, I believe you used the term elephant in the room. And I have written down on, on my paper here, elephants on Euclid Avenue. But actually, <laughs> when I think about it, it's Euclid Avenue, Carnegie Avenue, Chester, and Cedar. So, um, so the clinic, yes. So uh, could you both talk about, so Denise, um, from the perspective of the director of the Neighborhood Development mm -hmm. Corporation in August as a resident, but maybe also as a, um, an architect, um, how you think the, the clinic hinders or helps Fairfax, or both, <laughs> right now? So like you go to this. Right, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> so, uh, uh, first let me say that the relationship with the clinic is improving. I think it's the best that it's been since I've been here. Um, so historically, you know, there were issues and, uh, some of those issues were urban myths, but um, the relationship now is better than it's ever been. Um, so last year, actually, uh, Dr. Mahalovich, which is the new CEO, actually came to Caramu House and brought his executive team, and we sat down at tables with residents um, to talk about how we work together, you know, because <laughs> There's only so much space. <laughs> we both live here. So what affects one affects the other. Um, and so he was very honest about it and uh, people were amazed that he also walked the neighborhood with us. 
Uh, people were amazed that he did that. Uh, but let me say it hasn't been easy, um, but we are moving. Uh, we're in a much better place. Uh, the communication is so much better. Um, but the, the one thing that's still different, and it's, it's never gonna change, the clinic is a big place. <laughs> There's a lot of people. So <laughs> you have to find the right one um, that you need to talk to about whatever you're working on. So I think that's really uh, the, one of the things that uh, takes time. Uh, relationships take time, building trust takes time. Um, but we're working together uh, and you know, committed to making the relationship work for both of us. Um, so, yeah. I, I think the challenge with any major institution, or hospital, I should say, healthcare organization, is they're insular by nature. They want to keep people in the four walls, you know. Um, and so, but naturally, that's an opportunity because when we start talking about access to healthy food, access to coffee shops, access to all those things that are inside that hospital, naturally, you know, I think they could live without one of their six Starbucks, you know? <laughs> um, and so, <laughs> I'm being honest, you know me, let's put it on the table. Um, so we have to start having those conversations. They're uncomfortable, but there's, there's an enterprise that could happen here, you know? There's, there's, there's something that could happen, especially along Cedar. Because from a historical standpoint, there were businesses there, African-American businesses. So we need to respect that. And we need to figure out how to get some of that, that marketplace out of the clinic and along Cedar and get people on the street. Um, that's hard. It's, it's hard to sort of change a culture that's existed for years. But it, they're, they're, they've, been, they've been listening. Um, and we're talking about some really great stuff along Cedar, along um, Opportunity corridor, corridor as it relates to Innovation Square, the 500 new homes that we're gonna build. Uh, we're looking at some, some truly mixed-use buildings that bring um, vibrancy to the street. It pe puts people in the at the front door. They're, you know, they're also creates enterprise. Mm -hmm. We should have and more. Jobs. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> but it, it's important because if you go to any other city, and I've had a chance to travel to a lot because we have a rising senior, um, it's happening in other places. And we, we, have to, we have to sort of rethink how that dialogue happens. Yeah, you know, I, I've been in the, the Heart Center building a few times, and has anyone been in there? There's, it's, it's sort of like this little mini mall, but like with really cool little shops. Like there's like an independent gift shop in there, and mm -hmm. there's a couple places to eat, and there's a bookstore, or there was, the last Joseph there. Beth was, mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, if you just turn this inside out and like put this on the street, that would be so incredible. You'd never know it was there though, like walking or driving past the building. Um, when will we know that the optimism you're feeling about the clinic is justified? When and how will we know? In terms of the way they're treating the neighborhood or relating with the neighborhood. That's, an That's difficult, yeah. That's an interesting question. I, well, I'm gonna use an example. Okay. Um, and I, I guess it's common knowledge because it's a public hearing. Um, <laughs> there's, um, and, and again, this is, I'm not a, a medic or a doctor, 
<laughs> biorepository building essentially is, is a big freezer building where they keep samples. That's, I'm dumbing it down, but um, we've had conversations, interesting conversations. I see Vicki there smiling. Um, <laughs> we've had interesting conversations about that building meaning more to the community than just another building. That what goes on, the research that goes on typically doesn't include people who look like me or even women. Um, so maybe that what happens there or what gets stored there has an impact on health outcomes in our community. Um, so that's, that's interesting to know. And I, if I butchered it, Vicki, I apologize. <laughs> um, but that's good. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn. Um, that's, the, that's a step. Um, there's many steps, but that's, that's a step. Yeah, that, and actually it's closer than you think. But um, <laughs> other things, um, so I think an excellent example is the Langston Hughes Center. I don't, I don't think you guys rode by there. Um, did you? Yeah, we oh. did that stop. Oh, yeah. She, yeah, it was a stop, right. So um, that happened as a result of uh, medical students wanting to give back and grew into that space that in the beginning was just three exam rooms. But I don't know if, if you had time to go into the building. There's a gym, there's a mammography suite, you know, and it just keeps growing. So <coughs> who would have thought, like when I first started here, that the clinic would be in the neighborhood, people can go there. If you don't have insurance, it's okay. Uh, and that they reach out to uh, not just Fairfax, but other neighborhoods surrounding here, um, all with the, with the goal of helping people live healthier um, and actually having friendly competition and you know, getting to talk trash when you, re when you win the uh, trophy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for the, for the uh, I think it's an eight week competition. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, that was, yeah. yeah. Kids, kids are our greatest resource. Um, I, and at the clinic, I believe it's called the Stokes Scholars. Mm -hmm. um, when you start educating young kids and you're that in influence on them, that causes an outcome. And outcomes positive um, because we need to work with our youth. We need, they need to be part of the planning process. They need to understand that they do have a voice and a seat at the table because they're going to be the people who are going to be populating Fairfax in the future. I mean, I have my son, awesome. He said an awesome thing the other day. Um, he started driving not too long ago and, and now he's more mobile and, and sometimes his, his friends are in the car with him, some, most of which either live in Ohio City because he attended Urban Community and now he is, attends a, a boys school on the east side. They live out east and they have no idea what's down here. They, 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 and my son says, how can you live in a city and not know what we have, especially downtown, the art museum? He says, one of his friends says, what's that building? He says, well, no. He says, what's, what are those buildings? It's a Cleveland Clinic. He says, I thought they were in one building. They have no idea <laughs> what's going on. So. Having the opportunity to raise a son, and he's aware of what's important, and he, I know he, no matter where he falls, he's going to live in the city. We need more of our CEOs. We need more of the people who are leaders living in the city. 
Not in Shaker, not in Cleveland Heights, not in Pepper Pike, but in Cleveland. You had to lead by example. And that's, those, are, those are the youth, those, those scholars are the, are the young people that we need to train and teach the importance of giving back and actually being, having a voice in the community. Um, so I think I'd like to turn it over to the audience at this point. Um, do we have any questions from the, from the audience? And, and again, if you want to ask a question, come on up. Stephanie's holding the mic here, and she will hold the mic. You just have to speak into it. So. Thank you. Um, great forum. My name is Derek Dark. I represent um, the Cleveland Clinic Police Department, uh, Crime Prevention Community Outreach Officer. In our um, bike tour, what was missing in that tour? We passed no less than four parks and no one was in any of the parks. And that's because of safe spaces not being created. And we can create a park, we can create green spaces, but what do we say to creating a safe and secure environment so that people would be comfortable enough to come out and sit in a park? Um, you need to work at City Architecture. <laughs> no, but that's, a, that's very astute. I, I, I think when we do plan, we need to include, we need to include everyone. I mean, your perspective is spot on, but lots of times we're not trained to think that. And, and residents, they know they want to be safe, but how do you make a safe space? I think you can do it in a number of ways, but first and foremost, you need to, you need to meet people where they are. You need to understand what, what, how they feel threatened and why before we start designing spaces. Um, and, and if, if, if you know, um, we have everybody from all walks of life, police, healthcare providers, um, CDCs, you know, the council people, we can come up with solutions. Um, but I, I don't think it's fair to design something without involvement. It's a disingenuous. So we, we have to have more of those conversations. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I agree, but just let me say too that those parks um, aren't always programmed. Uh, so like today, nothing's happening, but Saturday in Quincy Park is movie night. So if this would have been on a Saturday, there'd have been a couple hundred people there, you know, watching a movie in Recess Cleveland. So yeah. And then um, Playwright Park, which is in Innovation Square, they had the shipping containers. Yeah, so that will be programmed by Caramel. Um, and so those containers will become the stage for Caramel. So, yeah. An in interesting thing about Innovation Park, it is out on the island. It is, um, right now. Well, sometimes funding cycles aren't kind <laughs> to development. <laughs> It's just the reality Always. of it. That, that's it's going to be new housing. There's an apartment right. building that's just about to start. There are two new streets that are going to be constructed. So that's sort of, we would love to have built a park after the housing or concurrent to, but we didn't have a choice. So right. a lot of what you see out there, um, you've seen vacant properties. That's been intentional. We are, we're trying to, um, we have a land um, acquisition strategy and we have to control the, the land in order to, to force um, development to happen. So that's, a lot of it's been intentional. Thank you. 
I live just up the hill, so it was really a wonderful opportunity, an eye-opener to come and see Fairfax. I drive through, I've biked through, but never really seen the neighborhood. I mean, mm -hmm. I've been to Caramu and some of the churches, but to see it as, a, as an intact neighborhood was really wonderful. So I have two questions. I know that there, in many of our neighborhoods, they're low income, particularly seniors who can't afford to repair their property. Mm -hmm. So in addition to the new housing that you envision, what are the resources for helping people uh, keep up the property that they have? And is this an opportunity to uh, train and employ some of the young people or people in the neighborhood who need jobs? My other question has to do with environmental concerns. We have a big challenge with global warming. Uh, and so I'm wondering in the new housing and the other things that you're doing, if these are going to be energy efficient, we know that there are new um, methods in architecture for houses to actually be energy neutral at least. Mm -hmm. the, and I have also heard that in Huff, Lakewood, and maybe some other places, there are groups that are looking at doing solar arrays on empty lots. We've got a lot of empty lots, and these would be community owned and provide uh, energy for electrical energy for the neighbors. So in terms of the seniors and helping them maintain their properties, so um, we've had a project called Model Blocks since the 1990s that, so every year we raise money to do exterior renovations for low-income seniors. Uh, and so we're able to do about 20 projects a year, um, and it includes porches, um, fixing roofs, doors, windows, that kind of thing. And we also, in addition to raising dollars, we partner with uh, Cleveland Clinic, <laughs> who just did two houses with us, and the banks and anybody else that wants to volunteer to help us do that. The city of Cleveland also uh, just passed legislation for neighborhoods to get uh, community engagement specialists who will go out and actually knock on doors and sit down and talk to people and ask them what they need and then uh, pair them up with resources that exist either at the city or private resources to help them maintain their properties. So that that is underway, yeah. Oh, was it? Okay, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, that, yeah. So you wanted you answered. Sure, um, very good question. Um, the, the technologies that have historically been too expensive, like photovoltaic panels and solar panels we refer to, um, you know, higher efficiency, higher and more efficient ways of heating and cooling homes, those costs are coming down. What makes it easier for us is when we do a lot more units, so the economy of scale kicks in. Um, and so what we're looking at trying to do, first and foremost, is in, do a well-insulated house that's tight. Um, if you aren't losing air through, through outlets and things like many homes do, that's where we start. And, and we, we right-size equipment. 
oftentimes um, engineers, they default back to what they've been doing for the last 30 years. So we have to charge our consultants to, to size things properly. Um, we do also have an opportunity, I don't know if you ever, got, ever heard of geothermal heating. What they do is drill wells in the ground. Um, we have an opportunity to, to take advantage of that because we can create a, a common well field and everybody tap, taps into it. That technology is reduced. Um, there's a lot available. Again, that's the, the sort of the technology and innovative part of it. Um, I contend um, we can't get um, penny-wise and pound-foolish, especially when we're buying things like windows and things, because you might save money up front, then the life cycle cost of buying an inexpensive window doesn't pay off. So if we're gonna put a window in, if we're gonna spend money, let's spend it wisely. Um, oftentimes when there's developer-driven projects, as you know, the bottom line is they wanna have the, the lowest out, out pay to, to, to maximize their, their, their um, profits. But since Fairfax is driving development, they're, they're the developer at the table and we can drive the conversation and narrative. So um, more, to, more to come. I mean, this is a good conversation. Um, and, and, and then one other thing too, and it's how you build buildings. And what I mean by that is the higher the density, whether they're townhomes or apartment buildings with you know, elevators and everything, those outcomes are greater if we can, we can build in that fashion. <coughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Um, one of the great things about being on a bike is uh, you get to appreciate the neighborhoods and history, and Fairfax is really rich on history. Um, we only got a taste of it when we swung by Kiramu. Um, one of my favorite pieces of history I found was that I learned is just only a couple of blocks away, and that is the boyhood home of Jesse Owens, the American hero. And I wonder if that's a part of your plan and how you might be able to uh, whether that's a part of it, you know, the storytelling of Fairfax and whether you have any plans to kind of keep that as part of a, a, a presentation place. Okay, so on East um, 86th Street, are you guys right now on 86? No. Well, no. No. I'm talking about the house on Lake. It's like 103 or something like that. Okay. There are two. I, I do understand that there are two. Yeah, there well, are one, two. One is a little <laughs> less. Yeah, there's one on, on like 86 or something like that that doesn't right. really have much to do with his, like right. it was when he was a little right. kid. Or right, something. Okay. It's, it's less relevant to the athlete. Right, right. So the, the, the immediate answer is no. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, he lived in a couple places. Langston Hughes lived in a couple places. Um, there is a Jesse Owens Park. Um, on 87, a little thing, on 87th Street. But no, we don't have any plans to, to save that house. Uh, wish we could save everything, but we just can't. Um, so, you know, we might do a plaque or something, but not the house, un unless you help us. <laughs> <laughs> or or you, you and your friends can help us. <laughs> <laughs> talk a little bit about your uh, workforce development job training sure. work? Sure. So um, workforce is really important. Um, so unemployment, not just in Fairfax, but in similar neighborhoods in Cleveland is high, uh, much higher uh, than what you read about. Um, so we um, 
actually started uh, trying to do workforce in the late 1990s. Uh, didn't go very far, but anyway, uh, we <laughs> press forward. So we do have a workforce development program. Uh, we work with um, the clinic case, other employers, and so our job is to um, market to residents, and not just in Fairfax, uh, but all of the east side, um, to tell them about opportunities, to train them, um, help them with soft skill development. Um, actually, we partner with PNC to do this uh, so people can come here as well. But mock interviews, resume preparation, um, what you should wear, what you should look like. We have a technology, a free technology center uh, at our offices uh, where people can come and Everybody doesn't have a computer. Everybody doesn't have the internet. Um, but they can come there and use a computer to apply for jobs. Um, we have businesses come to our office and have education sessions about what they require of employees. And then they talk about specific skills that they're looking for and how to um, do that process. Um, and as a result, people get hired, people stay hired, we keep in touch with the employer, and um, if Susie is having a problem, they can call us. We reach out to Susie and say, hey, how can we help? And so it's going well, it's going really well, uh, and sometimes we get overwhelmed, uh, but it's, it's all good. Um, so RTA was recently um, at our offices, um, 43 people came to that education session. They interviewed 34, and this just happened today because Demetrius just walked in. But anyway, they um, gave offers to, what's the number? 23 people. Wow. 23 people, yeah. So, I mean, that's awesome. So we don't do job fairs, because I don't believe in job fairs. Uh, because you have 500 people and you have 50 jobs. But working individually with each employer, you know, you can park for free at our offices. Um, the first time we had Dominion, um, it was a, a job for a meter reader. 168 people showed up. Okay. Our offices are great, but, you know, they're not that big. <laughs> um, so they stayed two hours past uh, what they were supposed to stay and um, you know we weren't able to they weren't able to interact with 168 people but that just shows you it's like you know um, people want to work but people somebody needs to show people the path uh, and then help them along the path so we're very committed to doing that so if any of you are business owners come and talk to me because <laughs> I want to get you an employee No more questions. All right. Um, so, any closing any closing thoughts from from our panelists that you want to say that we didn't get to? I I would like to contend that we, um, us Clevelanders, no matter where you live, we have to be cheerleaders for our community. Um, maybe not just our our neighborhoods, but for the city, um, we have to believe that we can turn 
and change and turn it into corner and change the narrative. Um, I I ran into um, an older person, lady today, and she told me that she was going to South America. I said, well, that's great. And I'm thinking, you know, it's like one of those, I'm going to hang out with my friends and everything. She actually, as, as a civic leader, wanted to go and visit another country, um, unlike Cleveland, to figure out what, what, you know, what their success stories are. So there's people out there who want to make a difference. We have to somehow tie that together and, and, and work together. Um, this is an old African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Very well said. Uh, <laughs> just <laughs> and just to, to, to add on to that, we really do have to work together. Um, there's much work to be done. It's not easy. Sometimes it's not comfortable, but that really doesn't matter. If you really want change to happen, you really have to be part of the change uh, and be committed and courageous. Um, and, you know, this area is wonderful. I love it, uh, passionate about it. And, you know, we're going to do everything that we can do to make it happen. So if you want to help, please call me. Uh, you know, always looking for volunteers. Had to get that in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, it really, it, it, it's, it's a lot of work and it's not easy. Uh, but it's worth it. Thanks a lot, and I, I know for me, having been on the bike tour, I'm really looking forward to coming back to Playwrights Park mm -hmm. and seeing a performance in the shipping containers. That's yeah. such a cool idea. Yeah. And then also coming back to visit the monster truck guy, Tim, <laughs> Tim, what's his? Tim, Tim Willis. Willis, Tim oh Willis. my gosh, what about that, right? <laughs> so anyway, thank you all so much. Do I ring the bell again? Oh good, okay, to close. This has been uh, the City Club with Denise Van Leer and August Fluker. And I'm Justin Glanville. Thanks for being here, everyone. <laughs>